Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that that's true. Lord, that, that while our sin may be many, your mercy, your grace, your love is always more. Lord, that you are more and, and that you are enough. And so we just ask that you would speak to us. As we open up your word, would you reveal your truth in it? In your name, amen. Well, uh, if you've been part of our uh, Saturday night service for a while, I've, I've shared with you uh, how throughout his young life, my son has always had a lot, uh, a lot of interest in things that are not supposed to be his. Um, anything that isn't a toy, anything that might be considered garbage, he ha- sees as a cherished possession that is his. Um, recently, he's kind of uh, moved into a new stage uh, where he has become interested in the things that are mine. Um, the other day I was uh, uh, sitting with him, I was, uh, and I had my phone out, and he walks over to me, uh, and he gets really close to me, and he looks at me, and I thought it was going to be this, like, precious moment where we would, like, hug and have this father-son, and he took my phone, and he walked away laughing. <laughs> and I said, this kid is headed for a life of crime. He's going to be a bad influence. Um, he also has become really interested in, in my hats. Uh, you probably haven't seen me in a hat, but I, I wear them sometimes. Uh, the other day, uh, I, we were hanging out, and, and he took my hat, and he put it on, and I brought a picture with me. You can see that one. Look how cute he is. Uh, go ahead and put the second one up, though, Brett. Uh, yeah, that's, that's like the picture you post on social media versus reality. That's reality. That's life for us. Um, and I don't know if you can see, uh, but he's surrounded by toys and things that we have bought for him, and he has no interest in it. He just wants to play with and wear and be covered in the things that are his dad's. Today we are uh, continuing in our Colossians series that we started a few months ago. We're, we're journeying through this uh, letter from the Apostle Paul, and we've been noticing throughout this series this idea of, of fullness. This idea that we just sang about moments ago, this, that, that Jesus is the one that makes us full, that he is the fullness of God himself. If you were with us last week, we had a, a guest speaker, Danny Strange, join us, and, and he walked us through the first 11 verses of Colossians chapter 3, and, and we were reminded of the importance of staying connected with Christ, of centering ourselves daily in the reality and the truth of the gospel, and who Jesus is, and what he has done in our lives. And so we, we saw this, how, how Paul walks through all of these things that can disconnect you, that can drain you from your life with Christ. Things like earthly thoughts, things like sin, things like strongholds in our hearts and in our minds. And, and do you remember what Paul's instructions to the Colossians was? You remember what he said. Go ahead and uh, look with me to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8. We see that that you must put put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. It's important that we remember that because what we're going to be seeing today is Paul kind of continue his thought, this, this idea, this contrast between putting off, literally putting to death the things that are your old self. Remembering that sin is not just a habit to manage, but an enemy to kill. And what he's saying is that as you put these old things away, as you put them off, you are also to put on something new. You are to put on your 
new self. And the word that Paul uses there literally is to clothe yourself, to do what my son has started to do, to cover yourself, to wear the things that are your father's in heaven. To be a Christian is not just this one-time moment of salvation, not just this future hope that one day I'll be in heaven. To follow Jesus is to cover yourself, to clothe yourself, to be shaped and transformed by him every day of our lives. This is what we're going to see Paul teach us today, that when we are in Christ, we are to put on a new identity, to walk in a new way, and to live by a new rule. So we'll start, we'll jump in with this first verse today with a new identity. Uh, If you have a Bible, open up Colossians chapter 3, and we're just going to start by reading verse 12. It says this, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Uh, Those of you that that know me well probably won't be surprised by this, Uh, but as a kid, I never really got into dressing up for Halloween. Um, I did it for a a few years, but but even as a child, it felt childish. And I was like five years old, and I was like, I'm over this. Like, come on, (laughs) it's time to grow up. Uh, And so this is true. Uh, I think I was maybe five or six years old, and for Halloween that year, I wore my normal clothes, and when someone asked what I was, I said, I am a kid. (laughs) Imagine being the people that I went to your house for trick-or-treating, and you said, what are you? And I said, a kid. (laughs) Like, we don't need, I'm not here to entertain you. Just give me the candy, and we'll move on. We're done. (laughs) I used to be so cool. But I just felt like like I didn't need a costume. Like, I should dress according to who I was. And in a sense, that's kind of what Paul is teaching here, that, that when we put our faith in Christ, we receive this new identity, and we are to dress accordingly. We are to clothe ourselves in the things that are our fathers. We are to cover ourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, and, and so on. And so notice this, that Paul begins this section by describing the Colossians and describing anyone who puts their faith in Christ. And he uses three identity words. Three words to describe who they are. Chosen, holy, beloved. In other words, when you put your faith in Jesus, this is who you are. That you are chosen. You've been made holy that God loves you. That's your identity. We see this language of being chosen ones. Paul here is referring back to the Old Testament, where over and over God would refer to the nation of Israel as his chosen people. We see this back in Deuteronomy chapter 14, that that you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. This idea of being a chosen one, part of a chosen people, is is that you are given protection, and you are given favor, and you are given blessing. And all of it comes from this relationship you have to the one who has chosen you. This is what Paul is saying, that that when you are in Christ, you are one of God's people. That all these things are true of you. 
that today you fall under God's protection, that he has given you favor, blessing, that you have a relationship with him. This is what we looked at last week uh, in verse 11, that no longer are these distinctions between being Greek and Jew, between slaves and free, and, and so on and so on. Not that those things go away, but that they no longer define us and they no longer separate us. If you are chosen, you belong to him first. If I have put my faith in Jesus, then more than I am an American, more than I am a parent or child, more than I am a husband or wife, more than I am conservative or progressive, more than what my career or my education or anything else about me is, that I am one of God's people. I am his son, his daughter. I am his. That's true of you right now. If you've put your faith in Christ, you are one of his. You are not alone. You are not forgotten. You belong in this church and in his eternal kingdom. You are chosen. You were also made holy. That word holy just meaning set apart. Sometimes when we hear that word holy, I think sometimes we, we get the wrong image in our heads. We think of uh, maybe angels and, and clouds and harps, or, or maybe you think of someone who is always nice and, and never, you know, gets upset, or, or perfection, this, this standard that I can never live up to. God says, no, I've made you holy. I have set you apart. It's not that you'll never be, uh, not that you'll, you'll be perfect all the time. Not that you'll always measure up. Your holiness is not dependent on what you can do, but what Christ has done. He has made you holy. Paul talks about this earlier in Colossians. Back in uh, chapter 1, verse 22, he says that he is reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. He has done the work. You are made holy by him. You're chosen, you're holy, and then third, you are beloved. We see this in 1 John chapter 4. Many of you, maybe you've heard this verse before. Maybe it's uh, been one that you've memorized, that we love because he first loved us. This is the message of the gospel, that before you loved him, before you even knew him, before you were even born, God loved you. For some of us, maybe this is the message that we need to hear today. That the Christian faith, the, the message of Christianity is not just a list of good ways to be good people. The gospel is good news, not good advice. It's not about striving. It's not about outweighing the bad with the good. It's not about making God happy by checking off a list of things that I should be doing. Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 1, that God chose you before the foundation of the world. In other words, that before you were anything and before there was anything, he chose you, he knew you, he loved you. It's always been about him, not you. If you found your faith to be a burden, 
you have found Christianity, Christianity to be about doing good things, this, this weight that you have to carry, this source of guilt or, or source of shame, can I suggest to you that you have not heard the real good news? God has already chosen you, already made you holy, already loved you. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any more or any less. Your identity is a gift given to you by the one who has created you. You are chosen, holy, and loved because he says so. Okay, that's our new identity. Let's move on uh, to the second thing that we see here, a, a new way, a new way. Uh, recently, I was at the airport. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is watch people at airports. You guys do this? Uh, Judy and I, we, we play this game where we point out people to each other and we try to guess their life story. Have you played that before? Uh, basically, we're just judging people, but when you say it's a game, it sounds less mean. Uh, but, but we try to figure out, you know, based on what they look like or, or what they wear, you know, kind of who are they and what are they all about. We do, we do that all the time, don't we? Even in our own lives, we've, we've heard the phrase, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. We've all gone somewhere. Maybe even the first time you came to church here, you, you, you wondered, am I dressed right? Is this going to be one of those fancy churches or not? It's not. <laughs> um, even the people in our lives, we, we know things about them based on, on what they wear. In fact, I brought a, a picture with me. Don't put it up yet, Brett. Uh, but I, I brought a picture with me, and I'm going to play just a quick little game with you guys. Uh, this picture is going to be one of uh, the pastors here at Chapel Street. You're not going to see this person's face, but based on what they're wearing, I want you to guess who this person is, okay? Go ahead and put it up, Brett. Any guesses? I'm hearing some Andrews. It is, in fact, Andrew. Uh, very good. Those of you that know him, probably as soon as you saw this, you knew who it was because you know what he cares about. You know he loves Star Wars. You might know that he and my wife got in a fight about Star Wars, which I think is funny and weird. Um, by the way, this was at our preaching team meeting, which we have at 7.30 in the morning. Imagine going to work at 7.30 in the morning and seeing this. Like, I was ready to go home. I was done that day. Anyways, uh, where was I? Oh yeah, Colossians. <laughs> um, look at, look at with me uh, to the, the next couple of verses here in Colossians chapter 3. It says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, remember what we talked about earlier, how, how Paul is using this language of, of clothing, this idea of putting something on as you would just in the daily morning routine to start your day. And so again, it's, it's important that we start here, that what Paul is doing is not giving us a, a checklist of things to do and ways to be good people because Christians should be good people. That's not what we're seeing here. Rather, what he's saying is that one of the clearest signs that we know who we are, one of the clearest signals that we understand our identity in Christ, is not simply what we believe, but what we do, and how we treat the people around us. This is the point that Paul is making, not that you have to muster up compassion, 
Not that you always have to just be kind even when you don't mean it. Rather, what he's saying is that you and I have a Savior that has shown every one of these things to every one of us. We show compassion because Jesus was compassionate. We're told over and over, we see this in Matthew chapter 14, that he went to shore and he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. We act in humility because he did, because he is a Savior who on the very night that he was to be betrayed, got up from the dinner table and he washed his disciples' feet. We see this in John chapter 13. He says to his disciples, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash another's. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. We show humility. We show meekness, which is not the same as weakness. We show meekness, which is controlling our strength, not letting our aggression be in charge because we saw Jesus do the very same thing. We see this in Matthew chapter 26, that as he was being arrested, he says this, that do you think I cannot appeal to my father and and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled? We bear with others. We forgive others because we are forgiven people. We love, not out of guilt or obligation, but because we have been shown abundant, overwhelming love ourselves. Because he first loved us. This is the point that Paul is making, that that when we clothe ourselves in this new way of life, it is one of the surest signs that we understand the gospel. One of the surest signs that the Spirit is working in us. One of the surest signs that we really get who Jesus is and what he has done for us. A few years ago, uh, we were visiting some friends of ours up in Michigan, uh, and they uh, have a daughter. Uh, At the time, she was, uh, I think, four or so years old, and and we stayed there for several days, and the entire time we were there, she did not know my name. Uh, The first day that we got there, I was wearing a red shirt, and so in her mind, I became red shirt guy for the rest of her life. Um, and literally, like, months later, I was on the phone with my friend, and, and I, on the other end of the phone, I heard him talking to his daughter, and I heard her ask who he was talking to, and he, and he said, Joe. And then I heard this long pause. And then he said, the red shirt guy. And she went, oh, okay. <laughs> so literally, anytime we see them, I have to wear red. I'm going to go to this girl's wedding one day, and I'm going to have to get a red suit, or she's not going to know who I am. But this is the question that I have for you today, for you, in your life, when you think of the people that you know, what clothes would they recognize you in? What would they know you for? Compassion? Kindness? Meekness? Humility? Patience? Are you someone known for forgiveness because you have been so forgiven? Are we known for our love? Out of the love that we have been shown. 
Can I ask you a second question? What do you think the church in America is recognized in? What clothes are we known for? Our humility? Our care for others? Resentment? Judging those who aren't in our clan? What clothes might we be recognized in? Friends, this is the church that the world needs to see. A church that is covered in and surrounded by and bound together in love. That even those who do not share our beliefs cannot argue with the way that we treat other people. These are the gospel clothes that we are to put on, this way of life that we are called to. And I know for some of us it might seem like too much. I can't do this all the time, can I? Let me just give you two encouragements. First, that this is who you've been created to be. We don't do this out of our strength. We do this out of the identity that God has given us as chosen, holy, and beloved people. And second, when we do fall short of this beautiful description, this way of life that we see here, rather than sending us to guilt or to shame, let it simply be a signal to examine your own life. To ask yourself, am I in need of a recharge? Am I putting on the wrong clothes? Am I holding on to stress or to worry or to shame? Is there a sin issue in my life? Am I simply just tired? worn down, empty. This is who we are. Let us be people that dress like it. Okay, we'll close with this. Here's the last thing we see in these final verses, a new uh, rule, a new rule. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If you're paying close attention, maybe you notice something here that that Paul tells the Colossians to do something three times in these three verses. Did you see it? He says, be thankful. Sing with thankfulness. Do everything with thankfulness to God the Father. Now, this is so important. When, when you are reading scripture on your own, if you're learning how to kind of decipher and understand what message God is saying, if you notice something repeated three times in three verses, it matters. Why do you think Paul would say this so often? Why is he hammering this point home over and over again? Because gratitude is a natural response to someone who has been saved. If we understand what God has done for us, gratefulness is the only good response. This is why Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in all circumstances. Not for all circumstances, but in all. Because we know what God has done for us. We should be the most grateful of people. Because the most has been done. 
Paul goes on, he tells the Colossians to allow two things to happen. Look again at verses 15 and 16. We see that, that we should let the peace of Christ rule and to let the word of Christ dwell. Let the peace of Christ rule and let the word of Christ dwell. What Paul's doing here is connecting these two things together. In other words, saying that, that if you want peace in your life, if you want peace in your relationships, if you want to be marked by and know the peace that God can offer, then the word of Christ must dwell in you richly. It's interesting, that word uh, dwell, uh, the, the root word for that is, is uh, uh, refers to someone's home, someone's dwelling place. So think for a moment what your home offers you. What does your home do? It provides you safety, rest, comfort. Have you ever experienced this feeling of, of going on a trip somewhere and, and just having this longing to, to sleep in your own bed, to be back where you belong? A few months ago, uh, I went to a conference. Um, it was in the middle of February, and it was in Southern California, so I was really excited. And it was 50 and rainy every day, and I was so mad. But, but part of the deal for this conference was that you stayed on site. It was at this retreat center, and, and you were assigned a roommate. Now, I'm 31. I don't need a roommate, but it was fine. But when I tell you that this person snored, I need you to take the, the image that you have in your head and multiply it by like a thousand. <laughs> like this was the loudest. It was like sharing a room with a bear. That's what it was like. I had a sound machine. It did nothing. At one point, I threw a Kleenex box at him to get him to stop. He was an unstoppable force. Like, he was just going and going. And when I got home, I, was, I had never been so excited. I slept for like 12 hours that first night. I was just so tired, and I'm never having a roommate again. Um, but that's kind of the I idea, at least a little bit, of, of what Paul is teaching here, that, that this should be how we view God's Word. That all the things that a dwelling place can offer, all the safety and rest and comfort, these are the things that we should long for, that we should go towards, that we should find in the scriptures. That this is to be as much of your life as your home, part of your daily living experience, something that is so ingrained in who you are that it cannot help but coming out. That when you are in relationship with other people and something happens, that the word of Christ is what comes to your mind. That as you go about your day, you can't help but praising God for who he is. See, this is why we've been encouraging you to memorize part of Colossians chapter 1, to, to give it a chance for the truth of Christ to dwell in you richly. It's why we gather here to, to hear the word, to sing together with thankfulness, why people like Daniel are so important when he writes songs for us to remind us of who God is. But this is why Paul is using this analogy of, of dwelling places, because in the same way that you don't just visit your house once a week, in the same way that you don't just go home whenever you have the time, but it is part of your daily life. That is what the word of Christ should be for us. Something that we need. Something that we rely on. If we are to be people that have the peace of Christ, if you want peace in your life and in your relationships, 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We'll wrap up with this. Look again uh, at verse 17. He says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What do you think he means by that? What does it mean to do everything in the name of Jesus? What does it mean to work in Jesus' name? To parent in Jesus' name? To play sports? To go to school? To watch TV? What does it mean to do everything in the name of Christ? Here's what I think Paul means. That if you are a follower of Jesus, you are invited into a new rule of life. That there is a new way that you are to live by. He talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says that you are not your own. You were bought with a price. In other words, here's the rule. That with everything that God has given me, with every gift that I have, with all the influence that I have, with, with any potential, with everything that I do, with all the time that I have, All of it belongs to God. The way that I raise my kids, the way that I enter into my marriage, and the way that I enter into my singleness. When I see my neighbors out in the community, when I go to work on Monday, none of it's mine. All of it has been given to me for a purpose. To bring glory to Jesus to work with integrity, to care for the people that I know, to be a light, to clothe myself in the things that are his, to point people to him. What if this was the way that we lived? What if this became the motto of our lives? What if we saw our faith not just as something we do on Saturday nights or Sunday mornings, not just a slice of the pie, but something that we were marked and known and defined by? What if this was our purpose, that everything that we do would glorify Jesus? God cares about every part of our lives. He has called you his own. He has clothed you in righteousness. So let us be people that live accordingly. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the love that you've given us, love that started before we were born and before there was anything here. Lord, thank you for this calling that you've given us, and thank you for the grace that you show when we don't live up to it. Our prayer is that you would guide us, that you would clothe us, that you would cover us in the things that point people to you, that we would do everything in your name. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, if there's anything that we can be doing for you, any prayer requests that you might have, any burdens that you're carrying, our our prayer team uh, is available here at the front of the stage in just a moment. We're so glad that you can be here today. Uh, Would you receive today's benediction? Go now in the name of Jesus Christ, in the identity that he gives you as chosen, holy, and beloved clothed in the righteousness and the peace that he offers. Amen.